Today's episode of Brace for Impact is brought to you by Deluge, a graphic novel thriller written by J.D. Oliva. J.D., why don't you go ahead and tell us about this book? Deluge takes place during the dark days of Hurricane Katrina. An undercover FBI agent is trapped in the middle of the storm against a bunch of racist cops who are looking to eliminate all of the criminal element in New Orleans, one house at a time. You can buy your copy on Amazon today for just $3.99. And now to the show. Hey now, it's Brace for Impact, and I am your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD, by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? I'm solid, man. How are you doing? Oh, we got a little guest here. Hey. Buddy, I'm doing a podcast. I forgot you came home earlier today. Hang on. Zip. Go downstairs. Yeah, it's got to do this and go play. Okay. I forgot he had early release today. <laughs> It's all good. It makes it makes it better. My uh, my daughter's running around uh, the house. She just went to the park right now. She was uh, headed to the library to join her friends at story time, but it's not happening today. So, ah. um, yeah, so she'll, she'll be back interrupting us in no time. So it's all good. We'll just let it ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, we're, we're recording this on a Friday morning slash afternoon, depending on what part of the country you're in. And uh, I got to say, man, uh, last night's uh, episode of Impact was quite enjoyable. I think it might have been the best wrestling show that i saw this week i think without a doubt i um well full disclosure i only watched dynamite at impact this week and i i thought i thought it beat dynamite easily honestly yeah it did it did dynamite was a lot of uh a lot of very repetitive very table setting show one good match the rest were fine you know it wasn't bad but i thought this was just a particularly really good episode of impact this week yeah um, man yeah, surprisingly good actually in some cases yeah, they really carried over that positive momentum that they got from Hard to Kill. That really, the positive momentum really started, I want to say, the Friday before Hard to Kill, where they just started dropping some of the announcements for what's going to happen. And then they dropped the announcement for Tom Hannafin. And then they dropped the announcement that Ian Riccoboni and Bobby Cruz are coming. And they're starting to build a little bit of momentum. They're getting all this positive energy. The WWE stuff had dropped a couple of days before. So things are, or no, I'm sorry, Friday night SmackDown is where the WWE stuff dropped. And then Saturday morning, the, the, announcing, um, announce, the announcements came out for them. And then that carried over to Hard to Kill, which was an excellent pay-per-view. And the, the positive energy just kept going. The momentum kept going. And then we had an ex- excellent episode of Impact capped off by Deanna Peraza winning the Ring of Honor title. So I guess that's the top story, man. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do match by match and seg by seg like normally. But I think it's appropriate to go ahead and kick it off with, you know, kind of a historic match with, uh, yeah, Deanna Peraza representing AAA. Even though she's contracted to Impact, she's representing AAA in this match. Defeating Roxy, representing Ring of Honor for the Ring of Honor title on an impact episode i thought was kind of cool craziest part about this and i tweeted this last night when i was thinking about it. one year ago this wouldn't be possible like the idea of of triple a and ring of honor working together forget impact for a second mm-hmm. like triple a has a long long bad blood feud with cmll and cmll was ring of honor's partner for a long time and then they CML flushed that relationship down the toilet for a show that never happened. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the name of that promotion that never even got off the ground. Um, Federation, that's what it was. Federation, yeah. the yeah. show never happened. And, and CMLL is just like, like the petty ex girlfriend of all professional wrestling, and they're just like severing ties left and right for how dare you work with trip, how dare you work with triple A. So now you have a, a um, 
So weird. Now we have a, a unified AAA ROH title. That in itself is just mind blowing. And then the fact you put it on an impact contracted employee, independent contractor, whatever you want to call them. It's just, again, this is stuff that a year and a half ago, I'd have been like, really? Really? Mm-hmm. And here, we, here we are. Yeah, it, it, it really is crazy. And uh, Lance Storm tweeted about it. He goes, this had, he goes, he can't remember. He was saying that this has got to be the first time that two companies were represented on a third company's TV show for their two titles. Um, Cause before when, when you look back at the first thing I thought of was, you know, Taz, who was, who was a WWF contracted talent went to ECW and beat Mike awesome for the ECW title. But Mike awesome was a WCW, WCW. contracted, but there weren't two titles on the line. Mm-hmm. So that was, so I think that that was the closest thing that I could think of. I know that, um, you know, the, I think the NWA champion, I think Ric Flair wrestled Rick Martel in all Japan and they were representing NWA and AWA specific or respectively. Um, but that wasn't title for title. That was just a match. So this was a title for title match. So you had AAA and ring of honor title for title on impact. I think that was like that in and of itself kind of really explains the, you know, I hate, I'm, I'm actually getting the, the term forbidden door. I'm kind of getting sick of, honestly, it. it's, it. it's, it's getting lame at this point, but I, I think the, you know, what, what impact and what Scott DeMore and his team are doing by creating all these relationships that were kind of these bridges that have been burnt over time, kind of building those bridges and repairing all these relationships. And they're all kind of formulating right here in, in impact. I think it's crazy. And I think that this was, you know, it's going to be one of those matches where we look back on in like 10 years and who knows, maybe everybody be back on their islands. Like, man, what a crazy wild time it was to be an impact in 2021 and 2022. Yeah. It, it's nuts, man. Like, um, I keep thinking about when this could have happened. I'm sure this might've happened in territories at some point, but in territories, like, you didn't defend other people's titles in a different territory because who cared, right? Yeah. Nobody cared back then. You cared about the ter- the titles of your territory. And this is why AAA is such a great company to work with because they don't care about their titles. Like yeah. everybody, <laughs> so many people were like all wonky last year when Kenny Omega beat Andrade in Mexico. Like Andrade should have won. You know, it should be, a title should be on a AAA talent. It's like, well, Andrade is not a AAA talent either. Mm-hmm. It was two AEW guys wrestling in in Mexico and they don't care who has their titles. Like it's actually more, the AAA titles have more value on American wrestlers, in my opinion, at the moment where they can be seen and they can actually kind of grow the influence of AAA in the U S because in, in their company, they really don't book around titles. Like yeah. who's the top star in AAA psycho clown. He's mm-hmm. never been the mega champion in AAA. That's how they, that's how much they care about the belts. So <laughs> it makes so much sense to have that title on Deanna. Cause it just makes Deanna look better. And now she's got, which we called on the show. Cause it wasn't very hard to call. Like it makes so much sense with her having both of these belts and eventually I do think it would have been better if Mickey had lost, but I get it. Um, oh, I, I have a counterpoint to that. Oh, go. Lay down so, there. so we, I think we, we could both agree that Deanna was likely to win had the, the Royal rumble deal and Mickey James not come together. Right. I think that's, that's I think that's a safe bet. We don't know that for a fact. I think we just know that it's true. So I think that this was a kind of a happy accident because a Mickey gets the title and now she gets to carry that title into the Royal rumble. They're going to acknowledge her as the champion. I think that's great buzz for impact. You know, brand awareness is important. Yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Um, I think by having Deanna lose and then now she unifies the triple A and ring of honor titles. What she did is she actually rebuilt herself all she in did. one night in one match to she where did. now she's, a, she becomes a credible challenger again, mm-hmm. not right away, not right away. I think she's going to defend the ring of honor title for a little bit. And then eventually now we're going to have all the three of these titles at stake 
probably at Rebellion or maybe Slammiversary at, at a pay-per-view where they're going to have the big trilogy match with uh, with Mickey James, maybe a cage match, maybe some type of gimmick there. And I think that match gets a lot bigger than um, than it would have been otherwise. So no, I think I think that this wor- is working out pretty good um, with with Mickey actually keeping the title. So no, I'm with you, and I'm um I'm Debbie Downer, so I'm skeptical as to what uh what the ring of what have what Mickey having the Impact title is really gonna how it's really going to help impact in the long run. I mean, like it's just, it's just cause it's going to be a one-off appearance and it's going to be mm-hmm. it. And they'll say, Oh, she's a knockouts champion. And then they'll never breathe a word of it again. And the WWE audiences, as we've seen, it's easier to branch professional wrestling audiences, like, like the AW or the impact or, you know, uh, other, you know, new Japan audience, they're more willing to subscribe to different wrestling philosophies and ideas and shows. Whereas the, the hardcore WWE audience, the universe, your Roman Reigns stands, your Sasha avatars, <laughs> they are, they are WWE through and through, and they do not watch any other. And this is kind of how it's been since the eighties. So oh, I mean, yeah. they, this is just kind of what they are. So, I mean, like, I don't know, Takeo Mori showed up in the, in the Royal rumble in 1994 and I don't think that led to a big spike in Misawa viewing, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, but they couldn't. Right. Maybe it got a couple of people to actually go buy tapes. But back in 94, you couldn't watch you couldn't watch all Japan back then unless you were like a hardcore tape trader. No, that's accurate. But yeah. what it didn't do is it didn't. But you could do um, on the flip side of the coin. Uh, the great Muta won Starcade's 1992 Battle Bowl while he was the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion because yeah. they like you didn't watch the show, but there was a working agreement with the company and like guys like us specifically, we've talked about it. We're new Japan fans because, because of WCW. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that any, no one became an all Japan fan because of Amori's appearance and that that's one true. World rumble. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That this is just typically, this is just typically how WWE does things. So I'm skeptical, but it's going to be a real cool moment for Mickey. I hope they don't do any garbage bag stuff with her. You know, they're, they're uh, petty, but yeah. are they that petty? I don't, I don't know the This is the that company question. that referred to her, who has always been in phenomenal shape, by the way. They referred to her as Piggy James on her on, on one of her previous runs. That's and true. then on this last run, they constantly called her old. Old. Right. They were just <laughs> referring to her as this old lady. And she's like in her 30s and she did and she's in much better shape and better condition than a lot of the people they have on that roster anyway. Um, and can yeah. flat out and can flat out get it. And so that's, that's, that's WWE for you. So we'll, we'll see. I think a garbage bag reference does come into play though. I, ugh, I hope, I hope not, but I don't, I can see Bruce Pritchard looking his chops, especially because it's Mickey James. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, you keep hearing stuff about Aldis and, you know, if you've never, <laughs> there's a great podcast. You have to see the video. This is Nick Aldis talking about Bruce Pritchard and getting so angry. He's slapping himself in the face talking <laughs> yeah. about it. It's just like, yeah. it's like prime wrestling shoot conversation video material. I highly recommend you go out of your way to find that. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, that, you know, that, that's the top story. We'll go ahead and just get into the show, man. Like we said, it was an excellent show, great show. on, um, great show. On uh, BTI, they had Black Taurus uh, defeating Matthew Raywalt, which um, which I think is good news. <laughs> and he actually defeated him with this crazy move. Uh, everybody should look it up on Twitter. It was kind of cool. I don't know what the hell it's called. But... I don't know either. The gif is awesome. So yeah. that's the coolest thing to come out of BTI it, since uh, probably the 60-minute Iron Man match. Yeah, it kind of looked like it was reminiscent of uh, – it was kind of like a, a Michinoku driver, but it looked more like a Steiner screwdriver, like a co- combination of the two. And uh, I'm surprised that Ray Walt is alive after that. It looked pretty brutal. Ray Wolf, Ray Wolf had a rough day. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. So uh, the opening video was a full recap of Hard to Kill. And then right after the, v- uh, the video, we saw Morrissey uh, storming around. He's looking for Moose, man. And he heads to the ring, uh, claimed that uh, he had Moose pinned for a 10 count, said Moose calls himself the, the best champion in wrestling uh, while walking around with a title that he stole. So we're full on Morrissey babyface turn here. And I'm uh, I'm all for it. I'm with it, man. Stone um, cold Steve Morrissey. Stone cold Steve there. Yeah. Cuts a cuts a great promo, actually. He does. I, I felt it was in the beginning, it was a little bit rough at first, but once he started, once he got he into it, it, man, yeah, he, yeah. he found himself in that. And I think that this new kind of direction that we're gonna see Morrissey in is gonna be great. Um, anyway, he keeps he keeps talking. Moose shows up on the screen, told Morrissey that at Hard to Kill he showed that he was the champion. And if Morrissey actually had won at Hard to Kill, he would be the champion by now. Well, duh. Um, Moose said that he'll yes. indeed. Yes, Moose, that is yes. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> said that if he indeed will, um, he said he will defend the title tonight, but he's not going to defend it against Morrissey. Um, and then backstage, we got uh, Kermit the Frog Demore uh, confronted uh, Morrissey and told him that Moose is indeed having a title match against someone else. Morrissey made his case, but Demore told him that he, there won't be any interference tonight. And because was, because yeah, in Impact tradition, if yeah. someone deserves a title match, we do not give it to them. No, no. If you have a claim to the title, you have to wait for a while. You have to wait for a while and go and do the Josh Alexander thing where you run through everyone on the roster until Kermit is entertained like Caesar loading over the gladiators, waiting for his thumbs up and thumbs down. If this guy's not a heel, I don't know what is. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly Demore was interrupted by ring of honors or because Matt Taven and Vincent had taken over the commentary headsets. Um, D'Lo tried to stand up to Taven, but was uh, taken out by Mike Bennett. And then all of a sudden, man, they put D'Lo on the table and then PCO comes off the ring apron onto D'Lo, but not through the table, just bounces off of D'Lo poor guy and then instead instead of just uh instead of taking some time they went ahead and just put him back on the table and pco went up even higher and they did his flipping senton through d'lo brown which looked insane it was crazy what a great angle here like pco is a lunatic like the man's in his (laughs) mid-50s i believe at this point he's an absolute nutcase dude i was watching pco when i was a very little kid watching the quebecers when what 1993 take on mm-hmm. the hearts, the Owen Hart and Bret Hart at the Royal Rumble. Like Excellent. that's how old they are, man. PCO is, I love the PCO reinvention. I always thought he was a bizarre fit in ring of honor and never really quite clicked him here. in impact is, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, I love this whole thing. I liked, you know, Dilo when that, when that table didn't break, Dilo was just thinking, God damn it. Cause he knew PCO was going to break that table oh. one way or another. Yeah. He said they're taking that segment home no matter what, because PCO is a pro, which how strong of a table does that have to be? Cause D'Lo Brown's got to be pushing about three dude. bills <laughs> and PCO has got to be about two seventy. And he came and he didn't like gingerly fall on that no. table. He came hard from no. that ring apron onto that table and just bounced right off. I'm like, damn. The best part is PCO didn't even think twice. It was he didn't sell it at all. He's like, then break. Oh well, he just went right back to the top. Didn't even pause. Didn't yeah. even pause to reconsider. What a pro! You know what's great in this segment too, Matt Taven. Oh my God, I was I was gonna say that he he he's coming. I don't know if he is the actual leader of the group, but I think that that's who they are identifying as the leader of the group because he did all the talking. He had great insults. He was a uh, very charismatic. He called uh, I think he called uh, Phillips or not Phillips, but Hannafin. He called him a Melvin, which I think it's funny that's that's, that's his thing it's his ring of honor shtick uh i like when he calls people melvin or when he calls rick a bonnie rick a boner i think that's funny so 
I, I enjoyed him referencing Delo's chest protector. He's not even wearing the chest protector. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's good. It's good. Uh, this was great. Yeah. Taven's got to be the leader because Bennett's not a great promo. He's not a bad promo, but he's not a great promo. And right. and Vincent's a lunatic. So you mm. don't want you don't want that guy in front. Eventually, I think Vincent will feel very at home in this promotion. But now is not the time to have him leading this. Because again, and again, I'd like them to address at some point why Vincent and Taven are friends again. Just a one line in a promo. Just give me something. Cause these two tried to murder each other for the better part of two years. Yeah. So just e- even if it's something. like, Hey, look, we tried to kill each other. We didn't die, but you know, the devil I know is better than the devil. I no. don't know. Let's something, go take over impact. Right. Something, something like yeah. that would be great. But again, yeah. this, uh, this new impact group, uh, what do they call them? Honor no more. Well, they haven't actually divulged that yet. I think that's okay. coming. Yeah, that's coming. But I, yeah, we all know by now it's all over the internet. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. going to be called honor no more. And what I like is that. So immediately after this, they cut back to Scott Demore and Scott Demore reveals that he actually called Baltimore. He didn't really say Kerry Silken or Joe Coff or, you know, Hunter Johnston. He said, well, I called Baltimore and they, these guys are not affiliated with ring of honor. These are rogue actors. So these are, these, these guys are just, um, these are rogue individuals. They're not part of, they're not affiliated with anybody. So they're doing this all on their own and which, uh, which actually continued to talk about later as they interviewed Gresham. And then even much later, Roxy even says, yeah, I'm kind of nervous because these idiots from ring of honor are going crazy, but you know, she's not a part of that either. So I, I think that was cool. They kept tying that in. So this is actually very, like people always try to recapture the spirit of the NWO. This is like the most NWO ish angle start anyway that we've had in a long time it's you know you can't match the star power level but like as far as what they're trying to do it's really cool like i'm honestly this whole angle has got me more invested in in impact storytelling than anything else going on in the show right now i love i love this this is this is great i wonder Mm -hmm. where it leads yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it, man. I haven't been pumped up for an angle from Impact like this in yeah. in, in quite a while. Um, yeah, I'm excited. So we get to the we get to the first match. We got Laredo Kid defeating Chris Bay, which shocked the hell out of me. Uh, Trey, Trey Miguel joined uh, Hannafin on commentary, and the whole time Miguel is only really talking about Chris Bay, and they're having a great match. And Bay is talking towards. Uh, Miguel talking trash and they keep going back and forth. So they're leading to a Chris Bay, Trey Miguel match, but then eventually Laredo kid wins because Chris Bay is too distracted by Trey Miguel at the commentary table. Uh, hits him with that, that crazy uh, Spanish fly that he does off the top rope. But I, I thought this was an excellent match and I, I kind of mm-hmm. like where they're going with this. Yeah, me too. Um, Laredo kid doesn't get enough love. Didn't get enough love in MLW. I don't think he gets enough love here. Him and Trey are going to have a great match. Hey, Tom Hannafin, your first real night with the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have nine different partners tonight. What you're what you're commenting <laughs> with? Like, let's make this as difficult as possible for you. He did a great yeah. job, actually. He he did do a great job, and uh, a little bit of chaos makes him better. So, uh, I, I I like everything that was going on here. Yeah. Uh, Miguel tried his best at some of the the one liners. I some of them hit, some of it didn't, but it was kind of showing his personality a little bit. So I guess that was pretty good. I think Tom did a really good job calming him down. He felt real nervous at first. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I think those rascal segments were heavily, heavily produced clearly, but I mean, like um, he did not feel really in his skin till about halfway through the match. And I felt like he got better. I don't feel like uh, Trey's got a future in commentary, no. but you know, he did all right. Yeah. Um, uh, backstage, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath, Rhino and Edwards all talked about the, uh, the ring of honor group. And then they decided to split up and go find them, which is curious to me. That's horror um, movie logic. 
Yeah. Uh, Rich Swan and Willie Mack are going to team up and go find him. Heath and Reiner are going to go find him. And then Edwards was going to go find him by himself. Um, they didn't have to really look very hard. They ended up finding him in the ring later, but I guess they were trying to find him around a building. We didn't really get much uh, after that. We didn't, did we actually get anything where they were actually searching around in the back for them? No, everyone got beat up. Remember? Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like I said, this is horror movie logic. Like, yeah. okay, we have this problem. We have a group of us <laughs> together. There's strength in numbers. So we have to eliminate that. We all go our separate ways and we all die. So yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm okay yeah. with it. It's we right, bought a, it's right we bought up your a, alley. Yes, we bought a company that makes bad horror movies. Now we're going to embrace the storytelling. It's perfect. Uh, speaking of bad movies, did you watch the uh, the trailer for The King's Daughter? I did. Oh my gosh! It's not for me. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, look, I don't want to. I don't want to shit on the company and their new movie that they're promoting. But yikes, bro! <laughs> and I we we actually know a couple of people who are excited for this movie. I but, do. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm. I am not one of them. No, but you might watch it with your daughter. She might be interested in it. Uh, not, not unless there's <laughs> not unless it's animated, right? She likes mermaids, but she likes the Little Mermaid. If it's not the Little Mermaid, she's not interested. Yeah, I got, I got nothing on this. All I can think is Pierce Brosnan's come a long way from James Bond, and maybe not in a good way. No, yeah, Pierce Brosnan should do just Golden Eye sequels, like just be a different type of James Bond and just do that. That's what kinda, he's good at. It kind of worked for Sean Connery. He yeah. essentially played like 94 different James Bonds for the rest of his career and made a lot of money, made a lot of money, a lot of hit movies, man. Mm -hmm. So um, we get a new installment of Brian Myers teaching VSK and Zicky Dice. Uh, he berated them for embarrassing him while he was away. Uh, then Dice revealed that he is Moose's challenger tonight. And then he got himself a pizza from Sirius Pizza because he was about to have a serious match, which I thought was clever, and he needed to carb load. Uh, good uh, good cross-promotion for that pizza place there in Dallas. I thought that was entertaining. That pizza looked enormous. They had like those New York-style slices that are like gigantic, so that was yeah. entertaining. Um, I thought Brian, I, I don't know, I actually missed Brian Myers, I found him <laughs> yeah. this thing, but like, I'm like, yeah. this actually made me laugh. So yeah. kudos to them. I like Moose defending against a, a guy beneath him, and I also like Demore allowing the match because I'm saying, I'm telling you, he is a heel. He, he is, I, I think. Man, I, I think I see somebody coming in to take his spot and then Demore just sticks with Moose. I, I think that that's what we're seeing because as we all know, Demore is the one that got Moose into wrestling. Demore trained oh, him. So I he did not know that. So Demore had a relationship with Frank Trigg, right? Which is as revealed on our, uh, when we interviewed Moose right here mm -hmm. on our podcast. Um, and he, Moose was training for MMA. Demore and Trigg had a relationship. Demore, you know, started talking to Moose, actually brought him up to the Border City Wrestling and actually trained him for pro wrestling up there and was his manager for, a, or not his on-air manager, but kind of like a business manager mentor for, for a while. So they, they've had a relationship since literally his first day in pro wrestling. So it makes all the sense in the world that Demore would just stick with Moose. So it makes all the sense in Demore. He's protecting Moose too from people who could possibly beat him. So yeah. it's kind of redoing the Kenny thing in a different, in a different light. Right. Yeah. I like it though. I mean, I think this is, if they're not going to do that, they're wrong. If uh, you know, rumors of certain former general managers might be coming in, it's mm -hmm. nothing concrete. I know people are going crazy, but you know, Hey, I'm going to offer, I'm going to offer stone cold, Steve Austin, a permanent spot on our podcast right now. Yeah. That holds just about as much validity <laughs> as what happened, uh, you know? So I think yeah. you'd actually see something before we yeah. go crazy, but it would make sense. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Hey, before we get into our next topic, let's go ahead and talk about our Patreon. It's a Fight Game Media Network Plus on patreon.com slash fightgamemedia. And each and every week, you can get the bonus episode of this podcast right here, Brace for Impact, where we not only will get the recap for Impact, but you'll get all the news and notes from Impact Wrestling, everything that's going on in the world, uh, all the rumors. We do Q&As, we'll do watch-alongs. we got all kinds of cool stuff going coming down the pike. And on uh, today, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll get to hear us talk about the MLW lawsuit and how it possibly could affect Impact. Uh, we're going to talk about G.O.D. debuting for Impact in Fort Lauderdale, and yeah. I am going to laugh in J.D.'s face. Uh, I mean, we're going <laughs> to take a lot of take a lot of L's this week on the show. So yes. If you want to hear me, if you want to hear me eat it, let's jump on the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Jay White returns to Impact. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, as J.D. was just alluding to, offers a gig to William Regal through text message. We'll see how that works out. Um, Access TV might actually get into some more homes, 4 million new homes to be exact, and uh, PCO signs. So we're going to break all that stuff down and, and talk about it in depth on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash fight game media. It's only five bucks a month. Join us now. All right. So we're going to go to our next match. Speedball, Mike Bailey defeated Jake something. Um, Jake something's kind of turning into like a little bit of a gatekeeper here. Well, he doesn't have a storyline going on, but, you know, Speedball coming in, they got to push the guy. I think he's going to be a, a challenger probably at Rebellion coming up in April. So they got to they got to get the guy hot. I thought this was a good match. We had Ace Austin and Madman Fulton on commentary. Uh, Speedball gets the victory there with his, uh, what, what is it, like a shooting star knee to the back. Shooting star knee crippler thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, looking. He calls it the, uh, the ultimate ult- ultima weapon, ultimate weapon. Um, good, good short match. Big win for Bailey. I, I really dug it. I'm, I'm liking this Mike Bailey guy. Uh, Jake, something needs to go to Noah. Jake, something. And someone needs to print my article about Jake, something going to Noah. not going to name names, but is you this, know, is that shit still in draft? Been sitting in. No, it's not in drafts. It's been, yeah, it is. It's sitting in drafts right now. Waiting, oh. waiting for an edit, I suppose, but you know, Hey, whatever. Okay. Uh, um, so, you, but did you like the match? What do, what do you think of all speedball here? Oh, speedball's good, man. He's, yeah. I'm, this is a, a good pickup for him. Again, the, the Canadian connection there really helps. It helps us uh, spice up the X division a little bit. Um, yeah. I, you know, all, all my watching him has just been on YouTube clips and stuff like that over the years. So I'm really excited to see him here. I think that there's more out there for Jake something. I, I'm not, I don't really advocate people leaving the company, but I just don't, I just don't see how it helps Jake something's growth at this point. Cause they've already kind of decided we're not really going to do much with Jake. Yeah. They've, they've kind of moved on from him. I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe in a few months time, they'll go back to pushing him again and put him in a title program, but you know, who knows? I think title programs are overrated, yeah. but do something with them, you know, yeah. give give him a feud, man. Yeah. Give him a, a storyline, like yeah. something. I don't know. Backstage, we go to the Good Brothers in Violent by Design. They're talking about uh, how they got their butts kicked. Eric Young um, gets onto Anderson because he was the one that taking the taking the pin, and he said that Violent by Design was not to blame. And then uh, they said that Eric said that he wants uh, Doc Gallows and Big Joe Doring to team up one more time. And then all of a sudden, they heard uh, Rhino and Heath. They'd been taken out, so they go over there to check on them, and they stayed heel. I like this part. Me too. They they stayed heel. And they went over, they checked on them and then continued beating them up because they still don't like these fucks. So I, I thought that was fantastic. One of the big uh, missteps of the WWE, WCW invasion angle was that everybody was heel in WCW. Everybody was heel in WWE. Even if they didn't like each other, it really was kind of eh. I, and I like this better. 
yeah. I like I like Anderson and Gallows and right, BBD still being like, oh, we don't like these guys. But I like that <laughs> they convinced you that they did it first and then they <laughs> beat them up anyway. So yeah. kudos, good angle. Absolutely. Uh, next, we get Jim Miller interviewing uh, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green about losing their matches at Hard to Kill. Um, she asked how they were feeling and what was next. And then Cardona undersold himself. But Green said that they both did really well. Um, and they were close to getting victories. Uh, and then Tasha Steeles comes in and just steals the show, I think. Um, talks some trash to Green, saying she won because uh, she was willing to do everything to win while Green lived in her comfort zone. I, I like what they did here, and I think it leads to what we've been wanting to see for a very long time. Um, next week, we're going to get Tasha Steeles versus Chelsea Green, but I think something's coming that we've all been wanting. Turn these people heel. They're unlikable. Yes, yes. And they they came off as just babies here and very unlikable. And mm-hmm. Cardona started to play his heel character uh, towards impact on Twitter as well. About time. Uh, just last night. So he started, he quote tweeted them and saying, wow, I main evented hard to kill and impact has already forgotten about me. I, I love it. I, it's, it's happening and it couldn't, it can't come soon enough. So I get the feeling we're going to see something like that next week, man. They're great heels. I, you know, I got to give credit to uh, Chelsea and Tasha for actually pulling off that, that finish. Like yeah. that looked, that looked very difficult. Like it definitely looked beautiful, especially when Chelsea was falling off the uh, structure. What do you call mm-hmm. that thing? The lattice work, whatever yeah. earlier because of her wrist. And she, she actually made that work. I'm, I'm hard on Chelsea, but I think she had, she had a decent performance at the uh, end there. Yeah. I thought everybody in that ultimate X did great. Even Alicia mm-hmm. Edwards. I thought Alicia looked great. I mean, she, she played even, a role. She did. She climbed up real high, jumped off of stuff, was doing her hardcore gimmick. I, mm-hmm. I, I dug that whole match. So I actually watched it again uh, this week because yeah. there were parts of uh, parts of some of the early matches that I missed just because of my internet. So I was having some trouble. So I went back and watched them. So um, next we got Masha Slamovich, our girl defeating Vert Vixen. Um, I don't know if I like the name Vert. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, big squash. Slamovich beat the shit out of her. Cool. She's been on AEW a bunch too, and I always think her name is Vertivixen instead of Vertivixen. <laughs> yeah, like it might be one of the worst names in professional wrestling. To be honest with you, it's it does not roll off the tongue. It is not easy to say. It makes ep Vertivixen. Yeah, terrible, terrible. But great, great win for uh, Masha Slamovich. What I really liked is as she was walking to the back, Josh Alexander walks out. And then gave her a nod, kind of like a respectful nod, like way to go, kid, kind of mm-hmm. a kind of a deal. So the top star giving a nod to a rising star, I think is always kind of cool. So yeah. Got that uh, Undertaker John Cena vibe. Oh yeah. Um, next, uh, a- Alexander walks out after he gives the nod to Slamovich. He gets to the ring and he's complaining. He wants Moose. He said that uh, they keep putting obstacles in his path and um, Moose keeps ducking him. And he, you know, is mad because Demore wants him to channel or control his feelings before he gets a title shot, which as we all agree, that's bullshit. It's just professional um, wrestling. Yeah. It's the, it's the last thing you do is control your emotions. Yeah. But then he's, he threatened to leave impact if he couldn't get his title shot, which I think got undersold a little bit. And yeah, um, that was yeah. an interesting call. If I yeah. were, I don't know, man, it's cause that's kind of the same thing MJF is doing right now. Like on Twitter, he keeps retweeting these things about MJF to WWE. Like, and that dude's under contract for two years, but he's figured out that the best way he can be a heel to that audience is to praise what they hate. Yeah. So I think Josh has got to be a little careful with this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I kind of see where they're going with it, especially if uh, we're going towards a more heel turn. So we're, we're going to let this one, you know, we'll let it play out guys. Like triple H would say, um, but then suddenly Charlie Haas, 
which I, you know, we, I heard about this earlier in the week. Uh, if I didn't know about it, it would have surprised the shit out of me whenever I was watching TV. But Haas comes out, um, interrupts Alexander. He introduces himself and uh, basically challenges Alexander to a match. Alexander says, no, the only match I'm getting is the title shot with Moose. But then Alexander or um, sorry, Haas punches him and then they start to fight. And then Alexander accepts the challenge. So um, that's that was a really cool moment. I dug seeing Charlie Haas. Um, I know, I know something happens to him in his match, uh, next week, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But what did you think of the, the Haas debut here? Weird, man. Real weird. Yeah. I mean, it was so out of left field. Like, I know that guy hasn't been, he hasn't been working in front no. he's been an amateur wrestling coach, little kids coach in Oklahoma for years, got in some trouble actually a couple of years ago. So that's another thing. Maybe go, hmm, interesting choice. Um, I, <clears throat> I don't care. Josh is Josh, well, I know we know he gets hurt and it's Charlie Haas 20 years kind of after or 15 really after no more than that. After they kind of said, ah, we're done with Charlie Haas. So I mean I'm kind of like, eh. Like I need something a little more interesting for Josh to do. And it's not it's Charlie Haas. It's not like it's not like Shelton Benjamin. You know what I'm saying? Like right. this yeah. is a guy who doesn't have any real interests like him and they the him and benjamin had a quick little hiccup in in roh but other than that he's a wwe guy from two generations ago yeah it's, and he, he hasn't he hasn't been seen on regular tv in forever and he never really made it as a top guy but no. if they have that if they have a good story for him where he wants to make it as a top guy and this is his opportunity i they, they got to give it time to tell that story but um he has Do the they? Nice, well, do they really like we have all these great fury agents floating around in professional wrestling right now there's yeah all this talent like there's an influx of talent on the indies right now and we're going to dedicate television time to a guy who hasn't bothered to professionally wrestle in well over a decade it just seems weird to me yeah well and uh, also the the only other thing that i didn't like about it i actually thought the 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 whole segment was strong the only thing that i did like the segment itself was yeah. fine i just questioned yeah. everything around it Right. The only thing I really didn't like about it was this is the third person in a row where they've done exactly the same thing where they come in and interrupt Alexander while he's trying to get up moves. We saw it with Suzuki back in October, and then we saw it with Jonah back in November, and then now we're seeing it again with Haas. So it's like one after another where they're doing essentially the same thing. I'd like to see them switch it up a little bit. Uh, I know Jonah made an attack, but essentially it was the same thing. Alexander comes out, calls out Moose, and then he gets confronted by somebody else, right? So um uh switch it up a little bit let's let's change yeah. our let's change our strategy they can't keep they can't keep moose and josh away from each other forever so they're gonna have to do something at some point we got to do something uh too much of wrestling right now i think there's i think i could say this for all the major promotions this includes ghetto and new japan is we're falling back into what's worked multiple times over and over again and all the shows mm -hmm. right now are feeling like we're retreading stuff that we've already done everything is feeling like that a little bit so um, bookers out there, be creative. Yeah. Be like, don't, don't fall into what you think works. Just do something yeah. that might not. Sometimes a glorious failure is better than playing it safe and being boring. Absolutely. Uh, next we got, um, Oh, backstage knockouts champion, Mickey James welcomes Roxy to impact. But Roxy said she, she's been kind of sitting alone by herself because she's nervous with all the ring of honor people going crazy and making trouble. James told Roxy to be ready for Deanna Prazo because she is awesome and a vicious competitor and will stop at nothing to win. Um, kind of cool to see, um, you know, I think a big time veteran, a legend like Mickey James with a, what a 20, 21 year old Roxy, a champion from another company. 
Um, that's that's pretty cool. And now we also see Ring of Honor Impact and slightly WWE kind of all being mentioned in the same segment, which is also kind of cool. I thought. Because also, I'm pretty sure Roxy's headed to Orlando. Oh yeah. Very shortly. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Impact World Champion defeats Zicky Dice. I thought this was so funny because um, Moose comes out in his suit. <laughs> It's one move on dice stands on his chest and pins him. And uh, Myers was on commentary for the match. It was just absolutely disgusted at his protege. And then um, W Morrissey comes out to, to attack Moose. Uh, they, they fight a little bit, but then all of a sudden Zicky dice gets up for some reason, goes towards Morrissey and gets his ass kicked again. And then a Moose uh, hightails it out of there and takes off. And then a VSK just happened to was checking on dice in the ring and Morrissey took his ass out too. So I, I like this uh, baby face turn from Morrissey's coming off like a badass this is this is so steve austin <laughs> yeah. it's fine that's like yeah. one of the greatest compliments you could pay to wrestling you know you're doing a lot of steve austin stuff out there i mean that's like yes yes i am so <laughs> yeah that's good i mean this is fine this is exactly what you do with a zicky dice moose match you know yeah i uh, like yeah. again Car- um not Cardano, the other one myers saved this thing made it great so uh mm-hmm. it's fine it's good i don't know where it goes but it's fine yeah. Uh, Demore joined commentary. Um, he cleared up some of the questions about who's representing Ring of Honor and who is here as Renegades acting outside of ROH's permission. And then Raj Singh, of all people, whom I didn't think I would ever see again on this show, uh, given the people that have been released recently. But Raj Singh comes down. He said he's going solo. He cut a promo about representing his people. He called everybody in the audience infidels. So I guess we're going there. We're going back to that. So uh, we'll see how that works out for him. But uh, he asked him more for a challenge. And then all of a sudden, Jonah comes out and uh, beats the shit out of him. So um, they're trying to build back Jonah after his loss against uh, Josh Alexander, which I think is smart. um, It's weird. I mean, like I get someone's got to lose, right? You can't Mm -hmm. have everyone. Not everyone can be a winner. You've got to have guys in a company that can lose matches. So Raj Singh is fine for a guy that can lose matches. I don't know if we should be doing the infidel thing in 2022. Like, mm, no, no, that was, that was controversial in 2006. So, uh, well, no, not only that, you know, he's, he's Indian. He's not, uh, he's not from, that one is of the, a good point. <laughs> and he's from Canada. So he's not from one of the countries that we've been battling against. So that doesn't even work. Um, so using the infidel line just makes no sense at all because there's nobody from India calling us infidels. So, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to touch it. No. Uh, I question, I question less. I don't know. Jonah building Jonah back so soon. I get why they want to do it. Part of me wonders if, a, if, a, if a guy like that isn't better off, maybe missing a set of tapings and then coming back with a big splash, you know, rather than being fresh off the big loss. I don't know. I think you can go either way with it. I'm just happy mm-hmm. that he's going to stick around. You know, I yeah. wondered if he might be just, I wondered if this was going to be a stop for Jonah on his way to new Japan, but it seems like he's in for a while. So. Yeah, well, he's in through April, he said, and then uh, they'll they'll reassess at that point. Um, I don't know that he's actually going to go to Japan, Japan. He seems focused on uh, working here in the States. He's working every damn indie in the world, so yeah. or in the country. So. Well, you you can do that and work in New Japan, you know, like yeah. you, gotta, you just got to hustle. And Jonah seems like a hustler, to be honest. So, oh, yeah. You know, cool. Yeah. Uh, next, we get the influence to cut a promo on the tag, Knockouts Tag Team Champions, the inspiration. They hope they are having a good time enjoying their vacation for coming to work. Told them to be prepared for January 27th when the influ- uh, the influence get their title shot. The match was supposed to take place hard to kill, but uh, was postponed due to COVID protocols. 
But then uh, Decay walked up and challenged the influence to a match in the meantime. And then suddenly someone barged in and said that Eddie Edwards had been taken out and needed help. So I kind of, so some, some of this fell flat, but I kind of like the way they're connecting all the different storylines into one segment. All of a sudden they, they kick back. The main focus of the show is the ongoing story that these hooligans from ring of honor are taking people out. So I liked that They're not forgetting about that. So uh was, was kind of cool. I didn't, I felt like the guy, uh, who I think is he's a photographer there who was screaming for help for Eddie Edwards was not a great actor, <laughs> but, but I, the segment overall was okay. Um, Caleb Connolly called Rosemary something and it got a pop out of me. And for the damn life of me, I can't remember what it was. Like I wrote it down oh. on my phone and I lost it. Oh, so no. I had, it. I was like, I was going <laughs> to say what a great line it was, but it was a good line. Um, yeah. What do we think about Eddie? being a former ring of honor champion uh, i think he's a little suspect because he's also the one that said hey this here's a great idea let's all separate and make ourselves more vulnerable and because he's the leader right he's the veteran uh of that group and the heartbeat of impact he they all listened to him and it was a shitty idea <laughs> so maybe yes, it was. maybe maybe he was uh he was putting on maybe we're seeing a heel turn from eddie which i don't think he's ever done before I would, I kind of like this idea actually, because yeah. I think that um, I don't want it to get away too much because like it does have this ring. I mean, like, like the NWO got less cool with more guys that came in the, you know, when, when I do think when Steve Austin joined the Alliance, it really, it was out the window at that point. Yeah. Like, I don't want him to dilute him too much, but the idea of Eddie could, because Eddie does have the ring of honor history, especially being Jim Cornette's like basically chosen one when he mm -hmm. was leading ring of honor. It's there's something there that I wouldn't mind if they explored. Yeah. I'm like very if interested. If they're rogue actors and not with ring of honor, then who wouldn't, I mean, like to use old ECW jargon, shouldn't there be a mole? Yeah. Who, who's, who's the one letting them into the building. Right. That's what I'm saying, you know, uh, mm, I think we're onto something, man. Do they beat up? How I got, I go back and watch that footage. Did they beat, did we see them like kick Eddie's butt thoroughly in that segment? No, we didn't actually see him being attacked at all. He was just kind of laying down. But similarly, hmm. we, we also saw that with Heath and Rhino. So we, we saw a commotion. It was Heath and Rhino just off to the side uh, acting yeah, but, beat up. So. But they did take a beating. Yeah. <laughs> they ended so, up getting beat up no matter what. So If that was their plan, it failed miserably. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but I'm interested in this. I'm interested. This is Ring of Honor thing is the best thing we got going right now. I love it. Yeah. Next, uh, speaking of Ring of Honor, we go backstage with the uh, Ring of Honor champion, Jonathan Gresham, asked about the, the rogue ROH group attacking people backstage. He said that he had no connection to them and uh, that before Re Ring of Honor's hiatus, there was a war between what identity ROH would be going forward. He said that Pure Wrestling and Honor won, not them. And then Steve Macklin interrupted and said that he, can, he can't just pretend he's not part of this group and turn his back on his brothers, uh, saying that where I come from, we don't turn our back on our brothers. And then Gresham said, are you questioning my honor? And uh, now we have a Ring of Honor title match set for next week under Pure Rules. I dig this a lot. I wanted to pretend like Macklin was talking about the Forgotten Sons when he mentioned that, but I know <laughs> yeah. he wasn't. So no. but it made me it made me laugh <laughs> in my head when I thought that he was for a second. Yeah. Um, no, this was cool, and I do think it was important to separate Gresham because we talked about it on the post show. Like, how is Gresham connected to these guys? Because that's the most obvious question. I'm glad they addressed it immediately and they created a separation because I do think Jonathan Gresham is going to be a traveling champion going to these various indie promotions. I assume he'll stop in AEW at some point. Like yeah. it's going to happen. So I think keeping him separate from the honor, no more guys is necessary. This was a necessary thing. And let's be honest, that match is going to be really cool. It's going to be a really interesting <clears throat> clash of styles. So that's I, going to be fun. I think people are starting to learn that Macklin can go. 
Macklin can go. He, yeah. He, he's impressed me with his matches like on TV, but, and then with the uh, bound for glory and that four way, he impressed me. And then at the three way, he impressed me, but we hadn't really seen him do much in a one-on-one situation in a big match. And he really delivered against Trey Miguel. Uh, one of the, one of the best X division uh, title matches I've seen in a long time. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does against Gresham. I, I said it yesterday on Twitter uh, or last night. And, you know, my buddy, Steve uh, retweeted me. I think this is Macklin's year, man. I think he breaks out as kind of one of those stars that's going to get picked up by every independent company because of the work that he's doing in Impact. He should. Like, it makes me mad that this guy was wasting away in the Performance Center for a decade, like doing burpees and stuff when he could have been out there on TV doing real work. Like, it's the shame of that giant warehouse that has so much talent that never gets seen, right? Like, we got, I really think we were robbed for years of this guy doing really quality work. It's mm-hmm. a shame, but I'm glad he's out now. So, you know, it's good. Yeah, man. I'm glad that he's here with Impact and they're letting him shine, man, both both in the ring and both and with his promos as well. Promos are he's, good. Promos yeah, he's, are fan, good. he's fantastic, man. He's going to be a big star for these guys. I agree. Uh, Ian Riccoboni joins commentary for the main event. So we actually get. A, well, for a brief period, we get Ian Riccoboni and Tom Hannafin as a duo on the commentary table until Ray Walt comes in. Um, but what you said something that I really, you know, set home with me. What would you think of a Riccoboni and Tom Hannafin commentary duo now that D'Lo is injured in storyline? What would you think about them going forward and who do they remind you of? Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone in 1988. Yes, I was thinking, yes, that's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. Great connection there. I, I love that uh, team there. And I would love if, if D'Lo doesn't come back, and I actually thought D'Lo improved quite a bit at Hard to Kill. I did um, but if he doesn't come back and we just get Rick Abani and Hannafin, I think that's a great commentary team and would immediately be one of the best in wrestling. I do too. I don't think that's going to happen though. I think that just based on what Rick Abani has said, I think that he's just going to, I think he's still a full-time employee with ring of honor. And I think he's going to, they're going to keep in their show. So they need their voice and he's going to bounce around with the champs. Like um, I think I mentioned on the, on the hard to, on our hard to kill post show that I, you know, the Briscoes are coming to AEW at some point. I assume Ian's going to be there too, whenever he's wrestling with them. Cause I think he's just going to be the guy associated with the ring of honor brand. I think it would yeah. be great if he did join the team, but I think ring of honor, if they have plans to be a thing, in 2022, they need Ian Riccoboni. He's now become the most important player next to Jonathan Gresham in the company. He really has. Yeah, but Riccoboni is also doing New Japan. I think uh, next weekend, he's actually doing New Japan strong. So I don't know that he is like a full-time ROH guy anymore. And he's mm-hmm. made, kind of made it seem like he's not a full-time ROH mm-hmm. guy. So I, I don't know. It's The whole thing's curious to me. So uh, there- I really don't know what his status is or if he's just playing it up for social media. Is um is there any Ring of Honor presence on the New Japan show? I forget the card off the top of my head. I you know what I would assume that there is because Strong had been booking Ring of Honor talent the whole mm-hmm. time. So, um, but he's like commentating the whole show. So interesting. Yeah, it's the one in uh, Washington Hall in Seattle. So interesting, interesting. Yeah, but he's he's here for this uh, Reina Duranas Championship uh, slash ROH Championship match between Deanna Perrazzo and uh, Roxy, man. And Perrazzo wins uh, in what I thought was an excellent main event, a great match, a uh, very technical match. Uh, Perrazzo uh, got her got herself some space, tricked uh, Roxy, got herself some space, tricked Perrazzo to go for the shoulder first into the ring. Finally able to make a stronger comeback. Now the Peraza was groggy. Roxy hit a side leg sweep for a near fall and tried to transition to the rock lock, but her arm was too hurt to properly keep it on. Um, Perrazzo, oh, I started way too early. Roxy grabbed the hand. Oh, sorry. Uh, Roxy went for a second, but Perrazzo blocked, turned her over, locked to Fujiwara, 
only to have Roxy turn it into the rock lock. Peraza reached for the ropes, so Roxy rolled herself to the center of the ring. But in the momentum, Peraza reversed into the Fujiwara again. Roxy was about to pass out at this point. They were going to call the match, but she grabbed the referee, so he couldn't. Then Peraza went further, locked in the Venus de Milo, getting both arms, and Roxy verbally submitted, which I thought was a cool sequence, man, and a, and a great finish. And then after the match, Maria Canellis Bennett got into the ring and told Peraza she was taking those titles. And then the rest of the, the rogue actors surrounded Peraza. Raywall jumps in the ring to defend her. And then uh, he starts getting his ass kicked. And then unfortunately, Willie Mack and Rich Swan saved him, <laughs> or tried to anyway. And they got their asses kicked too. With the Ring of Honor guys standing tall to close out the show. What a way to book in the show. I thought it was excellent, man. Um, very, very cool. And I love the story where it's going. Taven tweeted he had no choice. Ray Walt was going to sing again. Yes. He had, he had to hit him. I'm like, God damn, Matt Taven, yeah. the work of your career in these two weeks in Impact. <laughs> um, I, I Hot take, I like this better than the Mickey James match. I, You know what? So I think this is uh, more up my alley uh, mm-hmm. than, than, right what we saw, than what we saw there. So, yeah, I would probably say that this was a better match than the Mickey James match. Yeah, I think that uh, I think Roxy is like she's like Rey Mysterio in 1994. Right. Like right when he was catching on in Mexico, like there's a lot of she's a prodigy, man. Yeah. She's an absolute prodigy. And if you've watched that NXT 2.0 show, they really need some talent down there, mm-hmm. especially so, young talent that can work because all their young talent there can't work. And they got rid of their older work. talent. Yeah. Yes. In, uh, in, I know we praise Nick, Nick Khan's financial mind, but he's uh, his decisions make for shitty TV shows. But um. I think they could use her because she's she's cute. She's uh, talented. She's got presence. Mm-hmm. She's I mean, like, I can't see if they don't sign her. They are dumb. WWE is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. she's been perfect for them. Like, um, they need her, quite frankly. And I, I watched this match. And I'm like, God, Roxy's got it, man. She's mm-hmm. really good. She's really, really good. She is. And uh, makes me sad that she's going to wind up there. Though, probably, I know. You know, I know. Like, she'll be wind, winding up there doing burpees and uh, nothing on TV in no time. But, you know, I don't I know. Gotta, she's she's one of Booker T's, so she might actually be favored a little bit. Maybe they'll give her some TV time and let her go. Have you, but. Have you watched NXT 2.0? Have you seen the people they have working matches? Cora Jade is awful. She's significantly better than her. Roxy is significantly better than Cora Jade right now. Or not Mandy, who's also not good, and not... Uh, whatever the call on Priscilla Kelly, who actually is pretty good now, but her tag team partner, she sucks too. So Roxy is better than two thirds of toxic attraction or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. she's, she might, after Io Shirai, she might be the second or third, maybe third or fourth best person on that female roster. Like they got to They got to bring her in. If they're serious about having a professional wrestling company, I know they don't We're a sports entertainment company. No, right. like Vince gets, here's the truth. They say that. And then Vince hires a bunch of guys who can't work and he puts them on TV and he gets pissed off because they can't work. Right. And they all like, yeah. like where's Elias right now? Oh, he sucks. He's not working, but they got rid of Macklin. So, you know, these are the choices they make. It's um, I don't know, man, this match was awesome. I really did like it. It was right up my alley. And it makes me sad that we're not going to see more of her on this show, to be honest with you. But yeah, that's the nature of wrestling. That's just how it goes, man. But hey, uh, everybody, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your free podcasts at, uh, we are going to transition over to Patreon for all the news that we broke down earlier. So if you want to subscribe, go to patreon.com slash fightgamemedia and hit us up there. If not, hey, Patreon, man, uh, we are going to stick around here and just to go over the news. 